<laughs> Welcome to another episode of Fossified. Uh, I'm Johan, and I'm here with Henrik, uh, and we have a host, and at the very same time, a guest, which is me. Then I guess I'm Daniel. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I. Um... I'm happy to be here with you, my fellow hosts, guests, or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm a host. I'm the local yeah, we're host. Trying, we're trying to, to record an episode here to celebrate one of your great achievements, Daniel. Uh, that curl has lasted for 25 years, which we celebrate the same day as, uh, as we will release this yeah, episode. Uh, a crazy amount of time, right? So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating just to think back and and 25 years and and i've thought uh, so i actually make the release then of the version 8 which is the version 800 and i, I bumped the minor or the major number version and reset the minor version number on this exact 25th birth birthday because i figured it was be, would be fun so it's it's a big day cool uh, so there's 200 gazillion things we want to talk about, but and we've discussed how we should go about, but we thought that we try to begin from the start and use the protocols as some kind of uh, guide through the curl history. So can you tell us a bit about how curls got started? Right. And, and when we talk about protocols, we might talk about, I mean, what, I, what is a protocol in this aspect? I, usually when I talk about protocols in curl, I, I limit them to the URL schemes, right? So HTTP is one mm. and HTTPS is another one. But um, so curl started, uh, when I when I cur started curl, right, it, I remained a previous project called URL get. So I already had the support for three protocols, which was uh, HTTP, Gopher and FTP. So it started out with those three protocols. And that did not include HTTPS on that day in, in March 1998. So um, that was, I believe that was the first one that I actually implemented support for after I, I released Curl. So we supported HTTPS in, in, I think, summer of 1998 or something. And then it started. That was then protocol number four. Today we have 28. Crazy. Cool. And it's, uh, have you been, is this a solo project, you would say? You took it over in March, or how, how quickly did you get a community around it? I know it's not a solo mm. project, so to speak. But... In, right, but, but uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't solo already then, I, I would say, but because I was the maintainer of, of the previous projects as well. Because I, you know, it started with the tool HTTP get back in, in late 1996, which I didn't author, I didn't create it, but I, I took over the maintenance of that. But that was a small project, like 350 lines of code. And I took over maintenance of that and I sort of took it further. But we had uh, contributions already then in 1997 when it was HP-GET and then later URL-GET. So by the time we released curl there, uh, we had commit or commits or code written by several people. I, I don't know exactly how many because I don't remember that off the top of my head, but tens or 20 people have already, you know, submitted bug reports and minor things at least. So while I was the lead developer of it and I, I sort of pushed it forward, th there was already a, a mini community around it. So did you, how should I say, how should I say this? Did you inherit the idea of doing it free and open source software? Or was it you on purpose making it? 
<clears throat> well, I inherited it because it was already open from the beginning, but um, I I had no intention or no plans ever to do it any, in any other way. So I already knew about the concept of doing open source and I used open source already. So I just wanted to continue that. And then I got that uh, original uh, HP get code and that was open and, and we, I continued that tradition. Pretty much everything that I then, I mean, there, I don't think there was any traces left of that original code once I then released curl uh, later. So it was pretty much all my code by then, but I still wanted it to be open source and I still, wanted it to be you know available on all platforms and work everywhere and, and that was something i couldn't do myself because i i didn't have access to all that and i sort of expected this to only really work if i made it open and people would help me out and make sure that it actually works the way i wanted it to so you had some kind of plan not necessarily a business plan but you had a plan i well uh, yeah a plan idea at least or, or uh, <laughs> an idea <sort> of, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yes <laughs> Something like that, yes. Do, do you remember why you got started with it? Did you have like a, an original problem that got you into the project? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The first, the first thing I wanted, I wanted to download currency rates because I, I did the currency translation for my IRC bot. So I, I just wanted to download currency rates, and I found a, a website that had currency rates listed on a you know, updated every day or whatever it was. So, and I, so to make sure my currency exchange thing would work, I would just download that list of rates every day. But how do you download a list of rates over HTTP every day? Uh, you need a little tool to download it. So, and that's how I found HTTP GET to begin with. I assume I used Alta Vista back then to find it because it was uh, years before Google started. But uh, so that's how I found it. And, and then, uh, and what I've later learned is that WGET was also actually created in 1996, earlier in the yeah. year 1996. So they they actually existed, and I think they changed the name to the WGET project in in November 1996, which is exactly the same month that I found HTTP GET. But I, I had no, I, I was not aware of WGET at that point, uh, so I, I didn't know about it. I probably would not have used it because. I just wanted a tiny little thing that did HP get requests, basically. <laughs> cool. Uh, at some point, you added support for the S in HTTPS. Um, so, did you know security by then, or did you have to learn it? Uh, I had no idea, really. And I think <laughs> the, the initial support for HPS was provided by someone else that wrote the first um, code for it. And it used this, and that this was before OpenSSL even, so it was this SS, how do you even pronounce that library? SSLI or, you know, uh, the, oh, the precursor, yeah, the precursor yeah, yeah. to OpenSSL. Mm. Uh, so no, I, I basically had no idea how, how that even worked. It was early SSL based, right? So there was even, was not even TLS. I think it was SSL version two. and possibly version three. I don't remember exactly wh when that came. So no, early days, and I didn't even understand about, you know, certificates and how to verify the certificates, uh, stuff like that. So it took a while until we actually got that nailed <laughs> in a proper and, and secure way. <laughs> so how, how did you learn it? Oh, just by trying out and reading out, uh, reading things. Uh, basically, 
that's how I learned all of this from the beginning because I didn't even understand the concept of protocols and how you know there would be RFCs. It took me a good while until I understood that you could actually read the RFCs to figure out how the protocols work. I mostly just read source code and tried it out against servers. Um, because so, the young listeners here, they they have no idea how internet looked or felt or smelt in late '98. <laughs> Right, right. No, it, it was uh, it was still early days in internet-wise, I would say. Uh, if you go back and look at, in 1996, when I started my sort of uh, journey, there, I think... The era think, of under-construction sites. Yes, yes. And the, the whole internet consisted of 250,000 sites, right? 250,000. And today wow. there's 2 billion sites. So the, the explosion in, in is... Uh, <laughs> Quite extraordinary. And so we created a new one for this pod. <laughs> so we're, we're bastards. Yes. So, but, but, so it was also a very good timing, right? Without me knowing about it or having any sort of bigger thinking around that. So it came in, in, in a good time and I created it. And obviously people started using it and, and I, I wanted to keep on improving it and I found users who liked it and fixed bugs and you know and it just kept on going and going did you have many users back then um, I have this I have a screenshot somewhere that saved from November 1998 so that's you know half a year into the project and I was so happy because I counted 300 downloads during a single month so mm -hmm. uh, I would I would say I mean I was happy. Obviously, 300 people found the project and used it. So, but maybe with today's standards, I wouldn't really count that as a lot of users. So, it's it, 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 it was progress, but I think it was quite slow progress and it, it didn't have a lot of users. It, I mean, it was not certainly not an overnight immediate success, it was more a slow transition or progression going forward. And I mean, I had fun. I, I, I used it and people used it, so it was good. Did yeah. you have a hockey stick event or, or sort of time when, when it really took off? Because I mean, now you find curl in, in all, I mean, every REST API documentation in the world, you have curl examples, for instance. There, or was it just yes. slow yeah. growth? <laughs> yeah, but I think one of the challenges when, when, when doing everything open source is that there, it's also hard to measure success or measure use. So you, um, it's it's not like maybe there was a hockey stick moment that I didn't recognize, but I've never seen it, you know. And there's never been any hockey stick in in like growth in in number of committers or number of lines of code or anything. It's more been a slow trans. The the growth the number of lines of code growth is weirdly linear for 25 years by now, and and basically the same thing about number of committers. So just um. It, so in the project, it's hard to see when you suddenly get a lot of users because in the project, you keep on getting those complaints from people who, you know, find bugs and can't use it. But uh, on the same time, maybe someone got the project, used it in, in, a pro in a really, really widely used product. And they don't tell me about it. I don't even know about it. But suddenly one day when you start looking around and you find out, you know, uh, just that oh, wait a minute, these really, really high volume things are actually using my product. And without telling me, without asking me anything, without complaining, you know, it just happens to take off. So it's hard to say when that happens because it's hard to keep that 
check on, on, on the surrounding and everyone. So for me, it was never a hockey stick. It was just a, this gradual, slowly growing number of users. And I stopped counting them as users at some point too, right? Because more I, I nowadays count installations because it, what is a user? I, I try to switch the conversation to installations because when you run a phone, right? Is that you, you run in a typical mobile phone today, curl exists in the in the operating system right both in ios and, and and android but then it's not exposed as an api in either of those operating systems so if you want to use it in an app on a phone you bundle it yourself so pretty much and a lot of high volume apps do that so in a typical mobile phone today you have 5 10 15 curl installations so i i like to call that installations not users and I guess from a support or interaction perspective, that's 10 or 15 interactions to you, not billions and billions, because you, you the number of developers is what you interact with. Not exactly, exactly. So it could be one developer, right, shipping that in 2 billion phones. So that would be 2 billion installations somewhere, but just one user or one developer who asked me one question once and, and never again, maybe. Yeah. What's your favorite installation then? I heard you've been to other planets, for instance, or is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that is one of the favorite ones, right? So it, Curl was used in the helicopter 2020 landing mission on Mars. Uh, it's not clear exactly for what purpose, because they won't tell me, but... <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I, it actually doesn't <laughs> matter. So I, I, I have that fun slide now when I talk about Curl. Number of planets, two. <laughs> 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 uh, but you haven't been of uh, uh, the moon. Is that the next one? Yeah, exactly. That's the I got the fun fun that you ask because I, I constantly get that follow up question. But what about the oh, moon? No. The ISS. Really <laughs> and then no, I said, but the moon. The moon is not a planet. <laughs> no, but 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 I actually uh, no. Kidding aside, I'm trying to just. I know this because they've told me about it. I don't. I have not been informed of any, by anyone that is actually exists on the ISS or on the moon. So I, I don't claim that. Even if it, I think it's likely that it actually exists on the ISS or other space-related things that are actually those. I mean, they use Linux installations and stuff, so it's possible. But the moon, I don't think. So if we have any, sometimes I think your mic is slightly distorted on you. Oh, it is. Yeah, maybe yeah, I don't know what to do about that right now. Even with my old ears, I can hear that. Okay. Uh, so if my kids, for 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 one reason or another, hears this, they're gonna laugh. Uh, <laughs> that's a constant joke at home about my me not hearing anymore. There are no shortcuts to the perfect sound, Henrik. <laughs> Good. Uh, so, <laughs> what can you explain? Um, like. Tailnet. What, what do you use? How do you use curl and tailnet? Uh, tailnet is a yeah. I would say that tailnet is a really bad match for curl. So mm -hmm. it's 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 one of those protocols that we should probably not have implemented. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so don't mention it. 
That, exactly. Let's not go I was there. trying to wrap my head around it, but okay. Yeah, but typically, you know, I have a few requirements for, for what protocols that are suitable or, or which we would accept into curl when you, someone comes and say, hey, you should implement this or we should support blah, blah, blah. And then I usually go with, it should be, it should exist an existing URL syntax. So we shouldn't make up our own because that's not how URLs work. You should sort of, it should be a possibility of some kind of cross tool compatibility when you use the URL and it's a, and it should be a, a protocol that is transfer oriented, right? Upload, download. Uh, uh, I mean, not a session based thing like Telnet. So mm -hmm. if someone would ask me today, I would say that Telnet is not a suitable protocol for curl, but uh, I was, I guess I was a bit happy to just add a new protocol back when we did that. <laughs> so we did, and now we're stuck with it. And, Cool. It's not a big, I mean, we don't have many users using Telnet. So 25% of these users are not coming from Telnet. <laughs> I would say that Telnet is mostly forgotten by users, right? And so, yeah. And people sometimes ask me about other protocols, like why do we still support Gopher or some of the other weird protocols? But they, and that's similar to Telnet, they're actually pretty easy to support because Basically, nobody uses them, so nobody reports any problems. <laughs> so and, you know, just, by, by no, having no users. Yeah, exactly. So just yeah. sitting there in a the corner and, and sort of moving along. It's not, sort of, it's not a big problem for us. It's much harder to actually support the well-used protocols because they are having, you know, with those, we have a lot of users, and those users find all edge cases and all weirdness. Whatever you do, you can sort of count on someone using that in some weird corner of the world in the well-used protocols. I mean, like HP, that's why we also spend the most time and most efforts with the well-used protocols, not go for hotel. But but when you you to, say, sorry. When it comes to this with sessions and so on, I, I mean, curl is a library and a tool. Is it that you support all protocols in both the command line tool or are some library only, so to speak? Um, you know, you are, the, the tool can actually use the library. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But I get maintaining a session of a bash might be hard. I'm trying to learn things, Henrik. <laughs> uh, well, all protocols are accessible to both. Uh, so even if I actually one of the one of the better things I, I try to do when I do things into the library, I usually expose it to the tool as well, if nothing else, to make sure that it gets easier to test. So it's easier to write test cases with a curl tool so that I can exercise this stuff in the library. So usually there's a, there's a mapping directly from the tool into the library so you can use all of that. But then some things are only possible to do with the library because it sort of gives you larger flexibility and better things to do when you write an application rather than just doing a command line invocation. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to use, it sounds as if you have few users of Goofer, but then in 2021, you added Goofer S. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, first, first, back to the question about users and installations, right? So how do I know how many users I have of whatever protocol? I really don't, right? Because, I hear uh, somebody escaping my question. Hey, okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm going there. So, <laughs> so therefore, um, you know, the, back to the question of one developer installing a, an app in a 2 billion 
devices, right? So maybe that single user might run it in 2 billion devices, or maybe that single user never installs it anywhere, but it's the same. So I have this annual survey everywhere, every year when I ask users, what kind of, what protocols are you using with curl? And every year, all protocols are always selected. So every no. year, pe people always claim that every protocol is used. Um, and uh, rarely, rarely anyone actually selects all of them. <laughs> so, so, but but uh, and Gopher is rarely the least used one. But anyway, so I know that at least people claim they use all the supported protocols. But how many? I don't know. And since I don't know, I mean, I'm I'm letting everyone submit answers to the survey, right? So I don't really know how well covering that is or how representative that is. So I don't know. So back, so I know that people are using Gopher. So back to the Gopher S question then. Yeah. It came up as a, it's a recent effort. There's, there's a small community of Gopher people that are actually using Gopher, running Gopher servers. And they came up with extending Gopher into, I don't know, into the 20th century and, and added <laughs> TLS support for Gopher so that you could actually do it in a more secure way. So it was actually very, very easy to add it. It basically just glue on the TLS stuff that we already do for uh, all the other protocols on top of Gopher. So it was basically just, you know, a seven line patch and say, whoo, we can do that. No way. Very easy, Ooh. very low effort, very just sure. And now you can do more secure Gopher. So why not? It was really v very cheap to do it for us. The Going back to something you said before, I'm going to quote you a bit out of context here. Um, you said, um, like a user should say, you should implement this. So I'm curious, uh, with these 25 years, um, has the, um, like the attitude from, from, I'm going to say users now, uh, users or developers, has the attitude changed? Uh, to more com commanding, more nice, or what have you? Well, I think the attitude has changed in the in the way that curl is more prevalent everywhere right now. So, so people now uh, have other expectations and other demands, and and also now a lot of users view curl as a vehicle of, or an, as, a, as an opportunity to get stuff on more platforms, right? So if you get it implemented in curl, you know that it will be available on many places. So therefore, if you come up with something crazy and you want it to be everywhere, you want it to be implemented in curl because then you assume that over time it will be everywhere, right? Because <laughs> curl will be everywhere. And I've had a lot of that and, and, and also then, of course, that uh, it being everywhere and people are using it as an exam example or maybe a model somewhere how to do things. So it also puts a little bit of different, I would say, responsibility on us to do things better or more responsibly because we know that people will both use curl to do all this everywhere and then sort of look at how we do it and then mimic that when they do it themselves. Right, you know, following protocol standards and stuff like that. So I, I think over time we have sort of tried to grow up and become more mature and, and take that responsibility sometimes and understand that we are, when running everywhere, people are going to view that as uh, the, the way to do a lot of things. One of your um, developers 
and also friend I know, uh, Linus, told a story at GitHub about him having to explain uh, <laughs> that um, Hacks, the, the company developing Curl, was not responsible for someone hacking someone else's computer. So how right. many of these weird like accusations do you get? And what is the weirdest? Uh, I I have a huge collection of those. First, yes, I have the we own the domain hacks h a x x dot s c, which uh, sort of <laughs> is a little bit like asking for trouble because people associate that with something nasty. So yes, we get a lot lot of questions just around the name. But then uh, I get a lot of questions, weird ones and funny ones just because my name is in the curl license and in the curl license is also my email address. And since we are basically MIT licensed, it's a lot of products that ship that license thing in their, you know, open source license about window, whatever you call it. So when you sit in your car and you have a problem with your car, you pop up that little window somewhere, you know, there, there's the window will show 450 licenses none of them will have an email address except ours. <laughs> so, so when you get into your car and you have a GPS problem and you don't know who to call, you scroll through that and you find my email address and then you email me about it. And then you hey, I can't configure my GPS. Please help me out. So I get a lot of questions like that. And not only, a fascinating amount just from car owners. So I get a lot of GPS and, and you know audio questions <laughs> how to do things. And also from different apps for, I have, I get repeat questions about, a, about a particular VPN app that uses curl. And apparently I, our, our license is prominently placed there somewhere. So I get a lot of questions about, Hey, the VPN stopped working or I can't get into my account or stuff like that. And I usually don't even know what they're talking about or what kind of product they have or stuff like that. So. Um, it, it could be both hilarious or curious or strange or anything. So usually mostly just fun and weird, sometimes <laughs> less fun, especially when people go, you know, more into the threatening mode or uh, becoming more hostile or thinking that curl, I mean, curl being everywhere and libcurl being everywhere, it's of course also used in a few offensive means, right? It's being used in different kind of malwares or attack tools or hacking tools or whatever nastiness you can think of. So of course, curl has been used in those environments as well. So sometimes people then associate my name with just because it was used in some nefarious or ugly way. So they still adhere to the license and, and show your contact details, even though they do sort of a, a cracking tool or a black hat tool. Yeah, one of these, I, I remember, I think it was 2016 or something, I, I recognized that there was a huge spike in downloads of Curl. And I'm, you know, ooh, cool, huge spike in downloads. It was some kind of success. And then weirdly downloaded from a lot of different IP addresses across the world, right? And they all downloaded the same Windows binary. It was kind of weird, right? <laughs> and then with a little bit more research, it turned out that there was this malware that it basically spread itself, downloaded a new copy of curl from the curl website, and then spread itself on. So, <laughs> so it's actually downloaded the, the proper curl from us. So, so of course it included my name and everything because it downloaded the curl 
I don't know what kind of package it was. So interesting, uh, interesting. I had in mind a, a question on like when you're writing a compiler, one of the goals is to to be able to compile itself. Right. And sometimes you, you you need to do a trick. I had a tool once that could uh, feedback the recording back to the replaying, and it created some kind of feedback loop that was just weird, which was fun. So, and and this would be a way where curl is used to download curl. Yes, I think. I, well, uh, I don't know if I don't know if they used curl to download it, but it, it didn't matter. I think they 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 wanted some feature that they couldn't do that easily with the. The Windows API, or I, I actually don't know, but and I've solved I solved within air quotes the problem by just renaming the package, and then suddenly you know it got all four or fours, and the the with the result that the following version of that malware in the then just bundled a version instead. So I don't know. <laughs> I took away a lot of downloads from my site. I didn't really fix the world. Well. Uh, looking at the history here, we see that in 2010, you got a lot of support for uh, mail protocols. Yes. Did um, How did it come about? And was emails easy, hard to implement? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I was approached by a company who, who said they, they used Curl for some kind of monitoring tool. So they used a lot of the protocols and, and poked different servers and checked status and different things. So they asked me about how, what about supporting these protocols? And and it's interesting when you don't know anything about any protocol that they ask about. So it's okay, what is this? And then suddenly when you read, when you open the RFCs and read about IMAP, SMTP, POP3, um, and then you suddenly realize that, wait a minute, they all look like FTP. It is basically just FTP with a different command set, a little bit slightly different responses. So, uh, I mean, I've done FTP, right? So, how hard can it be? <laughs> so, of course, <laughs> so of course, I should support them as well. So, I said, sure, I can do that. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> uh, uh, and actually, they, they are also still very FTP-like. So, I call them the ping pong protocols in curl because FTP is very, very similar to those the other three, SMTP. IMAP and POP3. So I added support for them. So, and from a curl point of view, they're very similar to FTP. I mean, it, they download and they upload. Sure, that's emails, or I mean, in the FTP case, not emails, but they still map to what I talked about before. They're, they have established URL syntaxes and they do up transfers, upload or download. So, a pretty good match actually for curl, I think. I actually think that's the historical background, isn't it? I think that's why you have a mailbox in a specific format, because that's how mail worked in the beginning. You just FTP'd files into other people's home directories. And then when everything was nice and you knew all the internet users, that worked. And, and then it sort of outgrew itself. And that's why we have these protocols that are very FTP-like, because that's what you used in the beginning. Right. So, so in curl, they reuse a lot of code because it's the same. Send command, get a response. So command response command. That's the ping pong. Command response command response command response, and they get uh, they get the res responses back in in a similar fashion. FTP, of course, being the odd one there for it because it creates a separate connection for doing the actual transfer, while the other Ooh. ones don't. Yeah, it's yeah. A, <laughs> FTP is a it's a real. Uh, 
uh, some with possibly that is the most weird protocol among the ones actually i remember That's passive and active ftp yeah That's exactly but, but both are creating a separate connection right so it's just two both ways are. to create yeah yeah this is just a different way so you can either the client starts the connection or you let the server start the connection but you still need a separate <sighs> connection Mm. And adding TLS to that, it gets even weirder because then <laughs> firewalls and everything cannot understand which port to open. So it's, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. I was very disappointed this weekend because it turns out that uh, modern web browsers no longer support FTP. Uh, no, right. They, they actually removed that years ago. So, oh, yeah, I haven't so. touched it for years then. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's, of course, uh, 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 the entire world can never really quite understand the difference between FTPS and SFTP because they sound so similar, but they're hugely different. Uh, like for, from an engineering point of view, I'm interested in, um, you rely on the operating system and services provided by that. And you oh, you must have like if statements in the codes being like, if we're running on Windows 32, uh, this version, blah, 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 blah. Do you have a lot of that, like bypassing bugs in the underlying um, system? Well, we have those. I, I don't think we have a lot of them, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, so most things work the same way on all platforms and all systems really so but yes so sometimes we have to do provide functions that are missing or s s sort of pretend that this it works this way but in reality it actually works a different way on on a particular platform and speaking about weird protocols the weirdest platform is of course windows because windows that was the follow-up question yeah so so windows does everything slightly off than the rest of everything so yes so I w if you would count code, I would imagine that the num most number of tweaks and, and, and adjustments are there for, for Windows solutions. But in general, we hide that pretty well. So if you just read the code for most protocols, you don't have to think about platforms at all. There's just plain C code and you can just follow it along. What platforms do you support? I mean, Windows and OS X and, and, and Linux and Unix, is, I guess, but I, would, I, I guess you've are you into Amigas and Atari still, or has that been well? Yeah, I have I have this little game when I sometimes ask people if they can figure out a new operating system that Curl has run on, and then I show them my existing slide with ninety-two different operating systems that Curl mm -hmm. has run on, and ninety-two operating systems. That's a list that's it's insane and crazy because most people cannot even think about more than fifteen or something. So it has run on virtually everything that runs on 32-bit CPUs or, or, or larger. So uh, <laughs> an insane amount of different operating systems, pretty much all the Unixes, all the real-time operating systems, or yeah. Because anything. I guess you, but then you're dropping, how many platforms are you actively maintaining, so to speak? Mm, or, yeah, or? well, uh, I don't actively, but that's that's the, the, the beauty of this is that I don't need to, I usually don't need to actively maintain platforms. So pretty much, um, I don't know. That's the question. That's the answer. So I just, I, I make sure, and I run CI on a bunch of platforms. So I make sure that they work. And uh, then I cross my fingers and hope that I don't break many others. And that's the way it works. So then suddenly over time, I get patches back, the fixes, uh, 
perhaps build problems for some particular platforms. So I don't know the status of like <laughs> 75 of those operating systems. And uh, also to be to be fair, a lot of the, uh, those operating systems, they never brought anything back to us. So I don't know what they did to make it run, right? So if I, you can, an example, PlayStation, Sony, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, they, they have curl in there. They, I mean, you can find it in their, uh, about Windows and stuff, but I have no idea what they did to make it run, right? Maybe it built out of the box. Maybe it didn't. I know it runs there because they say so, but I don't know what it takes or what we do to break the build or whatever, because they just don't tell us. And that's the story for a lot of these operating systems. I know that it has run there, but I don't know what they did to make it happen or, you know, if it was just a single shot or, just happy coincidence. I don't know. What, what is the weirdest platform? Probably apart from the Mars ladder or helicopter. Or what was it? Well, uh, weird platforms. I, I I don't know. I, I it's on everything, right? So it turns. So basically, everything will run it. So I, I don't know what is the weirdest. What is uh, platforms aren't weird. They're just different. <laughs> What surprised you the most? If I remember correctly, you had a, some kind of strange report from a PS5 or PS4 user. Yes. Uh, um, but you know, I, I like the, I like the, um, I like to rather to think about the different products. I, I enjoy this when people showed. I found a, a curl error message on a on a German commuter train display, for example, just <laughs> recently, <laughs> or there's this kitchen blender thing that also runs curl. And there, you know, it's, it's on so many fun devices. There's a, a Sony, Sony robot dog that runs curl and, and, you know, uh, system cameras or uh, even keyboards and uh, it's everywhere. So, and I think those are more fun than the particular operating system they run because I usually don't even know about that. And I guess a lot of the operating system stuff is you, you do have backend. So I guess a lot of that stuff is abstracted already before it reaches curl. To, yes, and and usually we only require basically a POS six API or roughly a POS six API for the TCP IP. So and, and most operating systems support that. So it's usually not that hard for for users to for anyone to developers to to port curl to their platforms uh, so i'm interested again from an engineering point of view how many web servers do you recognize or do you have to make adaptions for all oh, dear we're talking to ngix here uh, oh sorry nginx um and uh, no I don't need to do that. Um, typically, uh, that was more of a case. Uh, Twenty years ago, we could do things like that. These days, we're, we're I think the entire, at least HTTP community, is more like as long as we adhere to the HTTP standards, we're all talking HTTP. So we don't ever do adjustments for for single implementations of servers these days. So we are all talking the protocols, and I think. HTTP might be one of the most mature ones because the, the HTTP community is a pretty big and active one and has done a lot of updates to the protocols over the years too. So it's more 
understood and more developed than many others actually because a lot of and i have this i'm part of that huge community with a lot of different hp implementers as well so we can actually even usually ask the implementers how they do it and how if there's ever any doubt or questions about how to do it and also when the when the pro, the new the newer protocols like HTTP two and HTTP three three when they were developed uh, during that development time there was also a lot of different interrupt meetings and interrupt tests um, among you know thirteen to seventeen different implementations to run all these weird test cases against each other just in an effort to make sure that they all just understand and interpret the standards the same way with the goal then that in the end we just speak the protocol we don't need to care about exactly who is in the other end as long as we just speak the Excellent. protocol correctly cool and then you became part of the standard so to speak so now people read the curl source to understand the little details in this page. yes a, a, a little bit like that and I, that sometimes then put it back to that responsibility that we actually need to do it right right so if we do we don't want to do too many shortcuts because we know that someone will read that and use that shortcut as well so we better better do it pretty good. <laughs> so how different, f for me, uh, I have no idea, how different are the HTTP versions? Oh, they are very different. So, and uh, sometimes, and then so people ask me which is the most hardest protocol to support in curl, and HTTP is certainly the hardest protocol to support. Uh, Possibly because it's most widely used, but also because we've done HTTP 2 and HTTP 3 on top of HTTP 1, and they are really big, complicated beasts on top of it. So to support HTTP 2 and HTTP 3, you pretty much have to have an existing HTTP implementation or at least a skeleton of one. So uh, HTTP 2 for... So HTTP, the concept of HTTP has... Uh, remain the same right so it has the same it has verbs headers body blah 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 but exactly how they are sent over the wire have that method has changed a lot so http2 was very different from http1 over the wire because it did multiplexing and compression of headers and stuff like it didn't do before so everything turned binary so the entire everything you send over the wire is completely different than http1 and then in http3 it was completely changed again. It uses pretty much the same concepts uh, as HTTP2, but then it was, you know, replaced TCP with Quick and, and TLS with Quick, and and in order to do that, they have, everything is changed. And then the binary format is also inspired by H2, but different than H2. So it's a lot of different uh, differences and a lot of different code and different third-party libraries to use for that. So in the end, it looks the same. If you, it, it might look the same. Uh, and in curl, we, we make an effort to make sure that if you happen to use HTTP2 or HTTP3, it looks the same to the user. And you can just you know use a command line switch, and it looks exactly as if <laughs> independent of, of HTTP version. But it's a, a completely different machinery in there that runs the one or the other. I guess that's the role of curl. Then the library works or the tool works so, so you provide that abstraction that you understand the protocols and then the user can focus on the content and, and what they want yeah to do exactly so exactly so just abstract away all the transfer bits and basically allow the 
user to not care about it. And then also make sure that it actually works the same way as it did last year or and, and will next year. So your command line from 10 years ago, it's, it remains working exactly the same way and it produces the same output, assuming that the servers are still there. Do, do you have any such breakages from curl itself? I, I know there was some packaging discussions uh, with Microsoft that they packaged a different tool as curl or, or an alias in their PowerShell or whatever it was. Uh, right. They, yeah, they have a they have an alias. They still have that alias in Windows. So <laughs> Windows is fun in that aspect. So they they ship that alias invoke. They do invoke web request or whatever whatever it's called. That's a native. Uh, command in PowerShell. So they have an alias for curl that runs that instead. But since 2019, 2018, uh, Windows also ships uh, the native real curl, right? But they still have the alias sometimes. So sometimes they, <laughs> well, it collides. But it's all those different uh, companies or distributors, they build curl and ship it, right? So we only ship source code. So the ones who actually ship the, the command line tool in the end, like Microsoft, they decide what features to enable or disable. So whatever ends up in, in Windows 10 and Windows 11, that particular binary runs the features that Microsoft decided it should feature. So that may then result in that particular command line on Windows 10 might not offer the same features as your curl that runs on Mac OS or on your Debian machine. So that, of course, but that's I, I, that's sort of a little bit beyond what I can control. I make sure that if you remain, if you build the same features in curl now as you did ten years ago, they will work exactly the same way. That's my, <laughs> that's where my sort of the end of my responsibility goes. I cannot help if if the people who ship this decide to switch off features or switch off protocols. That's up to them. Yeah, and I guess that comes with the number of platforms or operating systems you're you're supporting as well. For for instance, an older like sixty eight k machine cannot do TLS because it's it's not powerful enough. Uh, like so. that, and and also since I ship uh, or uh, all of these different devices that are using curl, they mostly build curl themselves, right? Because and then they want to switch off things they don't use, and they want to go custom with exactly their use cases. So. Typically, a lot of these users, they enjoy being able to switch off all of that for their embedded users, use cases. It's a little bit different from command line tool users, maybe. Uh, a question. What, um, have you ever been tempted to use another programming language? No. I have not. <laughs> I have not been tempted. I've been asked to many times. When, when curl started, there was really was no choice, right? In 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 when I, the first code I started with was C, and doing the library, I switched, I created libcurl, the library in in the summer of two thousand, and there was really no alternative to doing libraries than C at that point in time. I mean, there was this vision of using C++, but it was still, you know, they didn't even have stable uh, name uh, rules. Yeah, the name mangling and all of that. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And it was even, you couldn't even do it, even if you wanted to. So it was sort of natural to do it in C back then. Uh, and then over time, there might have been, I mean, there might be other options, but 
I, I want to maintain stability and I want to maintain the portability. So for me, C has always been a natural choice to, to stick to. Possibly what the discussion of recent years have been, which particular C version should we stick to? But that's more of an <laughs> internal debate. Is there anything apart from C89? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're stuck on C89 so far. We, but we have this discussion, it pops up every now, now and then, if we should bump it to C99. But nah, let's not. This is too new for us. <laughs> your model, no. at least you don't have the, the types under the, 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 like the argument list, like K and R, C. I, I still remember where you had to type out like the, the ints and the floats and so on after having the argument list. But back to the, the, the question about languages. So I, I'm, I'm not going to convert or port or rewrite curl in any other language, at least not in the foreseeable future. But I, I rather encourage people to write third-party libraries in other languages. So you can write your TLS library or your HTTP2 library or your whatever library using uh, Rust. And then we can use those uh, libraries fine when you build curl. Uh, we have some questions um, from GitHub here. So it would be great to hear some of your highlights and insights on on this project i to to shamelessly plug something i wrote a book about it called uncurled you should go to un.curl.dev and read it uh, more of a, my summary of open source development in general uh, so um there's so much to say about what to learn or what to, I, I don't know, really highlights. Okay, one of the biggest highlights of, of my entire curl journey so far, of course, is apart from being part of landing on Mars, it was that I got the Polem Prize Award in 2017. So um, getting handed a gold medal from the Swedish king at the uh, uh, ceremony award, that was, uh, was a peak in, in the journey so far, at least. And downward, <laughs> and since then, exactly, no, no more medals since then. So years without medals, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough life. <laughs> but I guess from our uh, for our international listeners, the the Pulham Prize has been around for what is it? Must be way over a hundred years, or yes, uh, I I think it was eighteen sixty something. Yes, it's been it's yeah. a, it's an old award. Were were you the for, first? Uh, a nominee that did software, or was it the first open source? Uh, Which both, ice actually. did you rate? Both, oh. actually. So I, it was the first software and first open source. So yes, yep. well, it, it was uh, great. Yes. Um, there's been some weirdness again with Microsoft and curl packaging, not re ha having an alias for something else. But can you tell us a bit about that? <laughs> Uh, well, it's a long story, long but you know, but, but the short story is that that Microsoft has this packaging thing called NuGet, uh, and they distribute packages there. You can go there on on Windows. You have you, that's a package manager, right? So I think it's for .NET, really. So you go to you do NuGet install, blah blah blah. And a while ago, I was told about the the curl package on NuGet because it was ten years old. Uh, features a uh, version from uh, way back featured 68 different security vulnerabilities <laughs> 68 <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I tried to uh, then sort of ask or, or get 
the NuGet project to maybe, maybe that this is not how you should distribute things. So uh, it, it it was a um, it started a little journey there, but uh, in the end, uh, the 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 user who provided that curl package that was just you know a random user uploading them in 2013. Some of the packages that person team had uploaded was also from 2015, so they were all really old, 55 packages or something. And the, it turned out that yeah, but they looked up uh, through the uh, using the vulnerability database at GitHub and. The, there was none for curl listed for that version. <laughs> so basically, if you just ask the right source, you know, then you get zero re defects reported, and then you're good. But, uh, well, so I was a little bit upset with them, and I um, yelled at them a little bit. And now uh, all of those packages are gone. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, well, it ended up well, I think. And I think they... Um, so I, that's actually got me into another side journey into vulnerability database and, and scoring of them and so on. But that's a, a that's a long story and it hasn't ended yet. <laughs> <laughs> so another question from the from the community here is really what, what techniques or technologies do you use for keeping the projects on the rails? What what editors, compilers? I mean we've done the Vim Emacs so everyone should know which team you're on, but what, what build systems and so on do you use? What tools? Uh, yeah. So Curl is the, Curl is an old project, right? So we started out. Actually, I, I wrote the first auto uh, tool configure script for it. I think in the summer of 1998. So we started without a configure script, but since then we've used our auto tools as the. I use that as my primary build system. We support CMake since I don't know 12 years, so you can build it with CMake as well. And if you're on Windows, those are not enough for you anyway. So we also have systems to build it with. Um, Windows-related build system. So we have a few different ways. Um, in general, it's complicated to offer many different ways of building something like Curl because it just spreads out the support effort. So you have to support all those different ones because all of them will have their own quirks and everything. But other than that, I mean, editors, you can use whatever you want to edit the code. It's just code, right? So people are using whatever they want. And and the same thing about compilers. when. Uh, Going back to how many platforms and everything where curl runs, you can build curl with pretty much whatever compiler you want, um, as long as it compiles C eighty nine code, and that's most C compilers. Uh, so we, be, I mean, we, we of course build curl with Clang and GCC and and the, the Visual Studio things and whatever we can find in the CI systems all the time. Do you use any any tools like Valgrind and so on, or statical code analysis and all of that we run we run we run in CI jobs we run most of our tests with valgrind enable so valgrind is sort of the default tool to check stuff but we also build ci jobs with uh, sanitizers enabled like the undefined behaviors and memory uh, things uh, so we do that and we also run a bunch of different code analyzers on the code on every commit and every now and then we run coverty on it on a more sort of manual basis, but I try to do that almost weekly. So we run pretty much all the tools we can on the code as much as possible. And then we're, of course, we're also part of the OSS Fuzz project. So we do fuzzing on curl nonstop uh, on Google infrastructure. And we've been doing that for over five years now. So it keeps on hammering on the code. Uh, 
it actually hammers on the code quite a lot without us getting any reports anymore. But still, cool. still, still a good verification that it actually sometimes reports something when we accidentally lands something stupid, and then we know this was stupid. We better fix it. So it's a very good system to find uh, suspe suspicious code. Uh, another question here is, um, it's compiled by you, Daniel, but is this a solo project? <laughs> yeah, I think we've been through that, right? So no, we're counting 1,125 authors since a few days back. So quite a lot of users. I'm, I've been, I've sort of been used to be the main author and I'm still am, I guess, but uh, I'm certainly not alone. And I, don't think I, I'm I've done a little bit over 50% of all the commits so far, but I, I think these days I do less than 50% on a sort of monthly basis. How do you make money? I sell curl support to customers or to companies paying Wolf SSL, and I'm, I'm employed by Wolf SSL, so I work on curl support all day uh, for those paying customers. And that's usually more of a insurance setup. So I work on issues that my customers file. So they are, of course, the most important thing that I have in my workday. So if, if my customers have problems, that's the primary thing I work on. Usually my customers don't have problems. So usually I can do whatever I want on my workday as long as the, my customers are happy and I and everything is going great. That's why I can work on curl full time, right? Because they pay me to, to make sure their curl stuff works. and. In the meantime, I can just make sure that curl works and maintain it and fix bugs and do whatever I want Implement to make sure go everything is good. Implement go for us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that, actually. Someone else did. Uh, is it a full-time job? You basically answered that. Yes, yeah. So yeah, I work on curl all day, every day, and then some spare time. I have this set up since a long time i mentioned it before but i usually spend a few hours on my on every night on curl stuff and i i keep on doing that because uh, i like it i like working on my hobby project and uh, it's a little <laughs> bit of a luxury i have to follow up there a bit on, on that one because I, I know that you you haven't done that throughout 25 years did, did you change your hours somewhat when you got it as full-time or do you still sort of do the night shift and, and just enjoy your days more or work longer um, hours or? i still do my night shifts but i think i, I think I, no I, I started working full-time on curl in 2019 before that i worked uh, i just I most mostly spare time. Actually, in 2014, I started working for Mozilla, and then I was allowed to do some amount of my work hours on Curl. But then 2019, full time, and I, I think I maybe have changed things a little, changed around a little bit. But I like doing things in the night shift because a lot of my work is checking out CI jobs, you know, and landing stuff when things work, and reading people's code, reviewing things. So it's actually a very effective way to to start early in the day and late in the day. So it's much better for me to work, you know, sporadically through the day, uh, possibly go away in the middle and then come back again. So it's actually, I think it's a very effective way to be productive in, in open source. So, uh, you know, I can, pr I can push a pull requests and then go away and then come back two hours later and then finish up. And rather that than has just nothing to do with communicating with another continent or it's just well, I, I have that you. as well. I have that as well, but it not. 
if I have to, a lot, most of my customers are American and I'm in Europe, right? So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm accustomed to that fine nine hours uh, uh, time difference, but, but I don't do that that much. So usually it's about uh, these uh, asynchronous communications in pull requests or emails and stuff. So. Cool. And another question then from uh, from the GitHub: are, are there any significant forks of curls that have gained any traction? Is it Not to my on? knowledge. There have been, or I don't know if they still exist. I I rather not highlight that particular one, but uh, the, I know there have been ones, at, at least one that I can think of that actually at least survived through years, but. Not that I, I don't think anyone has actually got got much traction or you know conquered or sort of competed with developers for real. So no, I don't think so. Not really. Here comes a long question. So I'll I'll begin, and um, you can take a coffee while I'm reading it up. Uh, <laughs> what kind of practices do you follow in the curl repository for Git log? I know you don't use GitHub's merge for pull requests because it doesn't fit your use case. How? Uh, okay, let's do that first. Uh, no, I, I don't like the GitHub uh, UI for Git commit messages and Git management. So I always use the Git. I, I'm, I Git myself <laughs> locally. So I, I, I Git merge and I uh, make sure that Git commit messages are formatted and using use all the information that I think they should have. So basically, I have, uh, often uh, edit people's commit messages. That's when when I've reviewed a, a uh, pull request and I think it's fine. I, I, that usually uh, does not include the commit message. So then, when I merge it locally, I make sure that the commit message follows the syntax and style that I think it should have. So I usually clean it up, use the correct keywords. Attribute, attribute the right persons and stuff like that, and then commit. So I use I always use a linear commit history. So I rebase everything on top of master, basically. How much um, time? I don't. Oh, I don't. I use any tools for that. I mostly just manually Git on the command line. Uh, a follow up there is: How much time do you spend reviewing structure of pull requests and commit messages? Structure. I, uh, I, re I mean, I review a lot of code. So review the structure. Uh, the structure is part of the PR. I don't know if I can separate them from, from, from the PR. So, uh, sure, I read the PR. If it's good, uh, I'm, I'm saying my thumbs up. If it's not good, I'm uh, try to communicate what we should do to improve the PR. And of course, I then try to be that in a helpful way so that I can maybe help out maybe just suggest how to do things or maybe you know how to, to be pr productive or, and constructive when when providing feedback uh here's from uh, michael uh what advice would you offer to a younger generation that aspire to maintain an open source project for 25 years uh, amazing 25 <laughs> years but uh, as graciously and humble as you have uh, well, sometimes I I, um, I get that question. Well, I don't I, I don't have any silver bullet for that because obviously you need a lot of patience and just endurance and and keep up and and you know be think it's fun because if it's not fun how, how can you do it otherwise? And also, but I try sometimes I try to 
tell people this story that I already pretty much mentioned here that you know success in open source is certainly not necessarily um, fast, right, or sudden. Maybe in, in I would say that in Curl's case, Curl was certainly not successful the first few years, right? So it took many years until it was sort of it reached a wider user base or anything. And I, I think that is sometimes what. I sense when people are giving up their open source project that sure you tried for six months and you didn't find users, right? Uh, maybe maybe they will take five years to discover your project, or maybe they will never. But you know, it's, you really need to ha have patience and endurance. But how to do that? I don't know. How to find happiness and how to think it's fun and how to find it challenging to keep on hammering on the same thing for a very long time? I don't know. I'm, I might be just stubborn and and but I, I do like it. <laughs> the, what I call the Nike method, just do it. Just do it, yes. <laughs> so uh, the last question here from GitHub, uh, would it be possible to calculate the average number of curl calls that an average human does per day? Do, do you have any like feeling for it? Uh, that hard. goes a little bit back to what do you mean per human, right? Because uh, I did this calculation once. How many curl installations do I have in my household? You know, count all my devices, all my machines, my cars, TVs, fridge, computers, phones. How many curl installations do I actually have in my... We are. I have two kids. I have a wife, four people. I, I think I came to about 60 different curl installations. Uh, and sure, and how many how many requests do those sixty curl installations do on an average day? I really have no idea how to even start to to do that math, right? Hundreds, thousands, hundreds. Of, I I, have, I don't know. Most of these I don't know how they use curl or when they use it or why they use it. So, it's it's quite impossible to count. I I've, I once went the other way around and and looked at the highest volume curl users I knew about back a few years ago when I tried to do the math. And back then, I know that the highest volume curl users did 1 million curl requests per second. And, and if you're, you're starting that, yeah. <laughs> Those are pretty big sites. So and if, if you average 1 million requests per second, and uh, how many users do you have to do that? And then, you know, how many are those high volume users? And, and how <laughs> it turned out a really impossible quest to even start to guess. But uh, the, the answer is many. <laughs> yeah, very many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Yeah, Being exactly. Yeah. And then the Western world and so on, and, and then trying to average it. It's really hard. But then I actually have a, a question. So, so we're obviously recording this a bit ahead of time uh, because Daniel is still super and, and not celebrating on, on Zoom. <laughs> but what, exactly. what are you looking forward to the most in, in your celebrations? And, and is there anything you want to invite people to? So yeah, I'm I'm there there I'm going to do the on online celebration on this exact birthday on March 20. So there's going to be a uh, Zoom meeting hopefully to able to get a lot of people to join and I'm I'm just going to enjoy myself, have a good time, possibly do a little presentation about what happened through the years in in Carl during that meeting. But I don't know. I, I I'm just going to try to take the moment and, and think about, uh, you know, take it all in and, and say that this this was the 25 first years of curl. Uh, let's <laughs> let's just enjoy <laughs> this and, and uh, you know, and then 
start all over on Tuesday and start merging patches again and fixing and uh, and continue th through time because I, I still enjoy it and uh, I'm, I have no plans on, on ramping down anytime soon. Cool. You, will you have a cake, champagne, or? Well, I have my whiskey, so that's that's the one I'm going to focus on. But I, I'm not sure. Maybe I should have a cake as well. Uh, I'll, I'll think about it. What cool. cake goes with whiskey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what cakes go, go go well with whiskey? <laughs> Any cake. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, but the. Uh, um, how do we round this off? It's been, it's amazing how many people that have reacted when I mentioned that we're going to record a podcast on uh, this episode on curl, uh, because every, every developer, I would say knows about curl. Everybody is using curl. So, um, uh, it's, it, is uh, a, it's it's a little bit, uh, it is certainly very amazing and, and a little bit sort of mind-boggling to just think about it. And yes, it's a little bit of a divider. If you know, if you're a you're a developer, if you know curl. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to to the first twenty-five years. And uh, what do we say? Well done. Is is it's not good enough? So. <laughs> I don't know the words here, so it's you've done an amazing job. Yeah, thank keep you. Keep on being stubborn. I think we end on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and enjoy it. <laughs> I do. Cool. I do. Yeah. So, cool. do you have any final words to the to listeners? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just you can go to curl.se for anything curl. And of course, read the book, Everything Curl. If there's any more curl details you need, then, uh, then you can find otherwise. Otherwise, it's just uh, thank submit you, your mom. bug fixes your, uh, as PRs, submit your bug reports as issues, and uh, let's continue this journey. Uh, why you more. lost a chance to praise your mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wait to end it. Yeah. You'll never make it to the Oscars with this crappy speech. <laughs> Damn. Uh, <laughs> take care. Bye. -bye. Bye.